You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. All right. That was a lot, guys. I mean, I, I know she said rowdy, but I didn't think y'all were really going to be rowdy, so I appreciate that. Uh, actually, I don't think I can get any better than that, so I'll see you guys later. Bye. Yeah. Just as much applause. Dang. Cold-blooded. All right, let's get started. Uh, so a few months ago, uh, my wife Lauren and I decided we needed a night out, a night without dirty diapers, a night without, you know, a million questions about this and that, a, a night uh, where nobody's yelling for us to, like, carry them around the house. Uh, it was going to be a night not only to get away from that, but to get away from work, you know, just to, to not worry about, like, what happens in the office or what's going on here, just a night for me to, like, connect with my wife, and, and this isn't to say that I don't like being a dad and I don't love my kids, and this isn't to say that I don't like being a pastor and I don't love you guys, but I just wanted a night to like disconnect and connect with my wife. So uh, we dropped off our kids uh, with their grandparents and took off to a far, far away land called the Rim. And we had our sights set on going to the Rustic, this place that uh, you can go and hang out and get some good food and, and have, you know, uh, some, some beverages and listen to some live music and just have a really good time. And uh, what I didn't realize, though, is that all of the city of San Antonio had the same idea to go to this place that night. And so we show up and we wanted to sit on the patio and it's just like packed, every single table's taken. And the way the patio works is that you just have to like find your own seat. And so, you know, you gotta do the thing where you like, you vulture and you're like, you know, looking around corners and you're like, oh wait, I think, I think they're almost done. And we like run across the place and then move around and then you see one and like somebody beats you to it and you're like, ah. And so while I'm like standing behind a tree and like looking around it to see these people, uh, one of the guys notices me and goes, hey man, come here. He's like, did you want the table when we're done? I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll sit. Y'all sit down here. We got two empty chairs and, and y'all just, you take the table when we're done and, and we'll leave it like that. And I was like, oh, cool. That's awesome. And it was going great. You know, we, we ordered some appetizers, got some food. We're hanging out, having a drink, you know, just listen to music, just having lots and lots of fun. And um, it was going really well until the guy that, that invited us over turned back to us and was like, hey man, um, can you help us settle something? And to, to me, I'm like, I, I just want to be like, no, I, I don't want to help you settle anything. Uh, I'm here, right here, you know, I got away from babies and questions and whatevers, and like, this is, this is my night tonight. And, and so, uh, you know, I was like, the, the last thing I want to do is, is hang out with a bunch of strangers, you know? Like, I, I want to hang out with my wife. And, and really, the, the worst part of it is like, they're basically like, hey, can you join this argument with us? And, and I was not, I'm not interested in that. All I wanted to do was go out and like be my wife's smoking hot date, you know? Lauren, Lauren doesn't get the chance to show me off that often, you know? So, so, so here's the thing though, but like, and I'm, I'm in this thing and, and I wanted no piece of this conversation with these people. So have you ever been in a situation where you had to talk to, with a stranger or a bunch of strangers when you didn't really want to? It could have been at the grocery store, uh, you know, it could have been at your kid's school, could have been at the mall. Uh, introverts are like every single conversation I have with a stranger, I don't want to have with a stranger. 
And the way I know that that worked is because all the introverts just silently nodded to themselves. Nobody was like, yes. The introverts just go, yes, you're correct. Um, so, so anyways, um, when we are met with a situation like this, how are we supposed to deal with these other people? Especially people we don't even know. And well, we actually see Jesus deal with this time and time again uh, throughout his ministry. And one of the best examples that's found, uh, that, that I found was in the book of Matthew. You see, Jesus is pretty early on in his ministry at this point, and he's becoming a big deal in his area. Uh, but he doesn't have his full crew yet. He doesn't have all of his disciples, doesn't have all his dudes. Uh, so this is where we're going to pick up the story. Matthew 9 says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Now, this is only a couple of sentences right here, but there's so much packed into it. First off, Jesus is just like rolling around, hanging out, and he sees a dude, stranger. I mean, he's God, so like he knows them. But as far as Matthew knew, this guy's a stranger. So he just walks up to him. And it's like, come follow me. And Matthew's like, of course, let's go. And, and so it, it's, it seems like a very simple exchange, but there's so much deeper uh, meaning to this because like it said, he's a tax collector. He's hanging out at the tax collector's booth. And the way it worked during that time is tax collectors were like hated. And not only hated, they were thought to be thieves because what would happen is people would like walk up to this booth to have to pay their taxes. And let's say they had to pay like $100, right? Well, what would happen is the tax collectors would go, oh, you owe $300, sir. And then would take the $300 and use that extra two and just put it in their pocket. And so these tax collectors, a lot of times ended up being pretty wealthy because they were just living off of the stolen wages of other people. So everybody universally hated tax collectors. Um, so this is what's going on there. So at this point, Matthew's like, do I want to be a hated person that steals from people? Or do I want to follow this rabbi who's asking me to go and roll around with him and be his disciple? Which one do I want? So it's very easy. That's why there's no like math. There's no part where Matthew goes, ah, I don't know. Maybe I should or shouldn't. He's just like, yes, let's go. Let me leave this life and, and go follow you, Jesus. So it's really cool to kind of see that happening. Um, so let's keep on reading here in Matthew 9. The next part, it says, Later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? So let's stop right there. Jesus is invited to come and hang out with some of the worst people, thieves, people that were called scum, and he's just going, he's like, yeah, cool, let's go. Let's go hang out. And then he gets there, and these religious leaders of the day are, are walking around. And what I find really interesting is that they go and talk to, like, his disciples on the outside. Nobody was, like, strong enough to be like, hey, Jesus, why are you eating with scum? They're like, hey, uh, hey, why is your teacher hanging out with all these dudes? Like, these guys are scum. Did you know that? And so what ends up happening, though, as we'll see here in Matthew 9, is Jesus hears this. And here it says, when Jesus heard this, he tells them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want, to show, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I imagine if Jesus was holding a microphone at that point, he would have like dropped it, you know? 
and put his hands up like, what, what now, guys? What's up now, Pharisees? And so at that point, it was just like, oh, dang, he just, he just sunned these dudes right now. You know, it was amazing. And so it's, it's really cool that when you kind of look at this scripture and, you, and that piece of scripture that he quoted is, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. What he's saying is, I want you to love people. That's what I want you to do. I want you to love people, not follow a bunch of religious laws and, and go jump all the, through these hoops. I want you to love people, not do something else. And then he goes on to explain, like, I'm here for people who know they're sick. I'm here for people who know they are sinners. I'm not here for people who think that they're like not gonna need God, that they can follow all these rules and be perfect. I'm not here for you guys. I'm a doctor that's come for the sick. Basically what he's doing is he's laying out exactly why he had come down to the earth. And so what's really cool about this story and really like the most telling thing and the most exciting thing for me is, is that this is where the story ends. In every single account in the different gospels where this part, this story is shared, it ends right here with him saying, uh, but those who know that are sinners and him drop the mic. And so we don't hear anything about the dinner after that. There's nothing about what he taught. There's nothing about uh, what he talked about. There's nothing, like he didn't perform any miracles. Nothing happens like that. And that's actually the most exciting part for me because that means that nothing noteworthy happened in this meal. That it was just the time that Jesus and his disciples sat down with these dis disreputable sinners. He just sat down with them and spent time with them. Hey, where are you from? What's your family like? What's going on here? Oh, that's cool. Have you ever been to this place? Have you ever tried this food? And it's just a nice, natural, easy conversation that he has with them that's really exciting to me to see because when you consider how the tax collectors were treated, I mean, just think about it. The Pharisees had no problem calling them scum to total strangers in front of their faces. And that wasn't even a reason for them to go, right? Like the tax collectors weren't like, come on, Pharisees, I'm going to fight. You're talking mess about me. Let's go. Like that didn't happen at all. It was just a normal thing. So think about how low the tax collectors are looked at in that time. And here's a rabbi that sits down with them and has a meal with them and just hangs out with them, with all of his disciples. Think about how much that would have meant to those tax collectors. Not only that, Jesus stands up for them. He drop kicks the Pharisees in front of everybody for these people who are thought to be the least and the worst, that they are called scum in front of everybody. So when it came to these strangers, Jesus was showing them nothing but love. This is exactly how they needed to be loved in that time. Jesus acknowledged them and stood up for them. And it wasn't about theology, right? That's why we don't see anything about all the, what he taught at the dinner, there was no miracles. It was just about loving them during that time. He was just leading with love, which is what our big idea is for today. Our big idea is lead with love. Lead with love. If there's nothing if this is the only thing that you remember from today, remember to lead with love. And there's actually a Greek word in the, used in the Bible for how Jesus led with love. The Greek word is, is philozenia, and it's actually a compound word. So the first word is philos, which means love, and the second part is xenia, which means strangers. So the way he, what he did is he would love strangers, philozenia. He led with love, and he loved strangers. And you actually see this word uh, used in Romans 12, and it's at this part that the Apostle Paul is writing to believers in Rome about how they should love people and how they should be leading their lives. And so here's what it says in Romans 12. Uh, Don't pretend just to love others. 
Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice philoxenia, which we would translate into English as hospitality. So it's, it's interesting because when we think of the word hospitality, it's, it's very like shallow, right? It's like just hosting somebody almost at your house, like, hey, come on in, I have some food for you guys, or we're gonna, you know, I made something to drink, and here's some napkin, and like, you know, just kind of taking care of people in that way, that's hospitality. But it's so much deeper than that because the, the word that they use is philoxenia, so it's actually loving strangers. It's not just hosting them in your home, but it's everywhere you're loving strangers. And this is what Jesus did all the time in his ministry. And this is actually what we've been called to do, is love strangers and lead with love at all times. And so the tax collectors, they didn't know Jesus. They were strangers to him. But he showed up, and they were really loved by him. Jesus showed Philozenia when he came across them, and I guarantee you that those tax collectors remembered Jesus for the rest of their lives. So how does that look for us in our everyday lives? Well, I know this is a simple idea, right? Like love strangers, love strangers. It's a very simple idea, but actually putting it into practice can get hard sometimes. So I wanna give you a, full, a few simple ways that we can actually love strangers. The first way is to acknowledge somebody. Jesus acknowledged Matthew sitting there at the tax collector's booth, right? And he was like, come on, let's go. And that's what we need to be doing. So just like say hi to a cashier when you're at HEB. Like don't just walk up and be like, dun, 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 here, okay, here's my card, whatever, see you later, bye. Like actually sit there and go, hey man, what, what's up? You know, uh, good to see you, how are you doing? And, and just have like a 10 second conversation just to acknowledge that they are a person there standing in front of you. We want you to affirm somebody. Uh, Jesus uh, thought enough of the tax collectors to like have a meal with them. That he was like, you are worthy of a meal. You are a good enough person for me to sit down with you and spend time with you. So when you see somebody out there in the world that's doing a job, just let them know like, hey, you're doing a good job, man. Uh, you know, wh whether it's you're at a restaurant and somebody brings you food, thank you for doing such a good job. Or wherever you might be, just let people know that they are doing a good job. And I want you to stand up for someone. Uh, Jesus went and stood up for the tax collectors. There was some messed up stuff happening to them, and he let the Pharisees know, this isn't cool. So I want you guys to stand up for people. I want us to be a church that stands up for injustices in this world, that stands against all these, stuff, all these bad things happening to people that don't deserve it. That's what I want. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go and start picketing things and start going on marches every day or anything like that. That's not what I'm asking you to do. But in very small ways, we can stand up for somebody. When everybody's like leaving to lunch and they're like, oh, we're not gonna take like Tommy because you know, he's kinda like the worst. Um, <laughs> at that moment you go, hey man, that's not cool. Let's go ahead and take him with us. You know, or, or when you're like standing in line at something and somebody like cuts in front of somebody else, you go like, hey man, that's not cool for you to do that. Like, go wait in the back of the line just like everybody else. I'm not saying we've gotta go and change the world, but just standing up for someone in a very small way can help change somebody's world. So let's go ahead and try and do things like that. 
So uh, here at the church, one of the ways that we show uh, Philozenia as, a, as an organization and as a church is our hospitality team. And you see them with our blue shirts on all the time. Uh, they are a group of people that show up every week to show you that Philozenia. They get here early. They set up coffee. They're making coffee for you. They're making sure the chairs are right here and next door in the cafe. All kinds of stuff is happening before you even show up. Uh, they are here to make sure that you feel loved with every part of your experience with our church. They start in the parking lot. They are loving you while you're on a golf cart. There's, they're showing you love when you come inside and you go and get a cup of coffee in the cafe. You're getting loved on when they're holding doors open for you, when you're getting welcomed inside and they're opening up the curtain for you, when we have our ushers helping you find a seat. They are all loving you. They understand this philozenia and they want to continue to do that. And, and what's really cool is not only that, there's a, group of, a couple groups of people that are working here and loving on you that you might not even see or notice. We have our safety team that's outside walking around right now, just making sure everything's safe out there. We have a group of prayer leaders that are praying right now for each and every one of you to make sure that you are getting the full message that God has lined up for you today. How cool is that? There are people that you don't even know, you can't even see, that are loving you right now. And real quick, I just want to call out, uh, let's, Mark, will you stand up real quick? This is Mark Gomez. He drives shuttles every other week, and then he works on our safety team every week. Uh, he loves you guys. Yeah. And he's been here for, for years loving on you guys. Him and his wife, Pat, also help out with our baptism team. Like, the whole family shows up every single time that we do baptisms, and they make sure that you guys are getting into the tub and getting out of it, and that you have towels, and that you're signed in at the front. They love you guys, and they show it every chance that they get. And that's exactly what this philozenia looks like and leading with love is all about. And so if you guys want to be a part of a team that loves on people in this way, uh, we want you to join our hospitality team. Uh, and the way, first way that you can do that is by going to our growth track that's happening today at 2.30 uh, next door in the cafe. You can go ahead and be a part of that. It's week two of the two weeks, but you can get week two this week and then get week one next month, and you'll be totally cool. Now, being a part of the hospitality team isn't the only way that you can lead with love here, that you can show philozenia. What you can do is we have a couple tribes that do just that. We have our first Wednesday Strong Foundation tribe, and what they do is they go to the Strong Foundation, which is a, a ministry for homeless families that keeps them together, and parents will go and, and spend time with, with the children while the parents will go and have a Bible study during that time, so it's a really cool thing to do that. They do it every first Wednesday of the month, or you can go, and, and the other one that we have going on right now is called The Bridge, and what they do is every single third Friday, they go to CAM, Christian Assistance Ministries, right down the street, and they hang out in their parking lot, and they hand out. Uh, food, water, toiletries, and, and help get them connected to like healthcare things, um, uh, our homeless community here in the downtown area. And they do that every single third Friday of the month. And what's really cool is, is uh, we've seen God move in incredible ways just through these two tribes, particularly in the, the bridge tribe as they've grown. And we just see more and more people showing up 
every single month, and it's been amazing to see how this tribe is serving our, our downtown homeless community. And, and what's uh, kind of interesting is right now they're kind of in a shortage of, of water and toiletries. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to have a drive outside where you guys show up with water, show up with toothpaste, toothbrushes, deodorant, uh, um, you know, shampoo, things like that. Just bring everything you can, and, and let's take care of our homeless community here in downtown San Antonio. We want to lead with love for them in that way. We want to show them Philozenium. And also remember that you don't have to be a part of a tribe and you don't have to be a part of the hospitality team to like smile at people and welcome them into church and just say hello and just be nice and show Philozenia. It doesn't cost a lot for us to do things like that. Um, so, okay, I want to take you guys back to um, that faraway land of the room. And I want to finish out my story here. So that guy is like, hey, can you settle this debate for us? And I almost was like, no. Um, but I was like, oh, okay, man. All right. Hit me with it. What is this great debate that you guys are having? And he goes, well, where do you land on creation versus Big Bang and evolution? Now, before I could answer, uh, a, a woman that was sitting with the guy who I assume is his wife kind of jumped in and is like, yeah, this is what I think, you know, evolution and, and Big Bang, and this is how it all lines up, and this is why it makes sense, and this is why it's the right thing and cool and whatever. And so the whole time she's talking, and I'm just like, I'm totally an undercover pastor right now. <laughs> like, nobody, nobody can know who I am, you know, like, I just... I just gotta, I gotta be ready. And not only that, like I'd read this article earlier in the week about, uh, the, you know, this scientific uh, way that they had been going at and they weren't sure about how the Big Bang worked and, and they were kind of poking holes in it uh, from just a scientific angle, just the science didn't make sense to them. So I'm like, man, I'm, I'm like ready to go, let's go. And so she's talking and I'm just like smiling and nodding and I'm like, man, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And then so finally she finishes and the guy's like, well, so, so what do you guys think? And I'm like, oh man. Well, you know, uh, uh, hold on a second. Well, when you look at the second law of thermodynamics, it says that the universe is going from, from order to chaos, right? It starts with order and then ends up in chaos. Everything's kind of spinning out of control eventually. And we see that in everything. This is one of our base laws of thermodynamics. So for me, looking at the Big Bang, which is a huge explosion, and from that huge explosion and chaos, it goes back to order. I have a lot of issues like logically following that. And then from that, from that order, then the evolution starts and all these things happen and it's just more chaos going to order. And that's like literally one of the base laws of thermodynamics is that this can't work. And this is a very base theory in all this. So, so real quick, God could have made all this happen because this is defying the laws of physics and we see, we see God defy laws of physics all the time. So if he chose to just go ahead and make a big bang turn into evolution, he could have done it in that way. I don't know, I'm not that smart, so I'm just gonna say, I don't know. But I'm just saying in my little pea brain, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so, I'll, so as I'm saying all these things, the man is looking at me and just like, yeah. You know, like, looking at me, he pats me on the back, like, yeah, dude, that, that's great and awesome. And, and so I'm just like, you know, riding high. I feel like smart for one of the three times in my life, you know? And, and I'm just sitting there like, oh man, they, they had no idea. I was, this is awesome, this is great. And then my wife jumps in 
And she goes, well, it's not really fair for him to jump in on this debate because he's a pastor. And I was like, oh, come on. Come on, honey, you're blowing my cover here. Let me be smart for a minute. You're not the only smart one in this family. So the conversation continued and everybody kind of kept on and, you know, whatever. And we were kind of halfway in it. And, and um, you know, the check came and they start of, they kind of start uh, getting ready to file out. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I, I've got one more thing to say. And I, I look at the woman, I'm like, okay, I get it. Like faith and, and this God thing and, and, you know, believing in like this invisible stuff that you don't see, it can be weird and it can be a little crazy. I totally get that. Uh, but like, I want you, I want to submit this idea from you. I, I want you to, to think about this. Of all the people and all the places that could have walked up and like been vulturing your table at this time and your husband seeing them and then inviting them over and the, the people accepting it, of all these things that happen to sit down at this exact time for them to be a pastor and not only for me to be a pastor, but for you guys to be talking about this exact subject at this exact time, I find it really hard for this to be totally random. What are the chances for it just to like have randomly ended up like this? And I was like, I just wanna say that. It's, it's really hard for me to believe that this was totally just a random occurrence. Now, I wish I could say that when I said that, she looked at me and fell down on her knees and was like, I accept Jesus now, I totally get it. And that when that happened, the spirit fell upon the rustic and everybody was breaking out into worship and the band saw it going on and was like, hey, I get it. And they're like playing worship music up there. Like, I wish I could tell you that's what happened. But what really happened was she just looked at me and said, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get that. And was, was polite and then left. And, and so for, for me, I, I mean, I, I hope that was just like the start of it. I hope that like, you know, it was just a seed being planted. And like, I hope one day like she shows up to the, one of the services and is like, there's that dude that told me that was at the, that was at the, the rustic. Um, um, but you know what, I, the, the issue, the reason I tell this story is because like, I was running from this philozenia. I was running from loving people. I just, the only person I wanted to love that night was my wife. I just wanted to talk to her. I didn't want to talk to anybody else. And I, I, like I said, I didn't want to be a dad for a couple hours, and I didn't want to be a pastor for a couple hours. And guess what? God had a different plan for me. God had a different thing. And so in those moments, I was just like, fine, I'll roll with it. And it was just a little bit, a little tiny bit of philozenia where I said, yeah, okay, what, what, what's the question? What's the debate? And then it opened up something incredible and, and really amazing. And, and so for me, one of my favorite Jesus stories that really encourages me to continue to show Philozenia, to continue to lead with love, happens in the book of John. And, and so to give you some context about this story, uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. It's, it's, it's one of the, the big stories, one of the miraculous stories that he does where uh, there's only a few uh, loaves uh, um, and, and, a, and two fish, and there's more than 5,000 people sitting there listening to him preach, and it's getting late and everybody's hungry, so he goes, you know what, I'm gonna bless this food, let's bless the food, and, and blesses it and just starts handing it out in baskets, and the food actually starts to multiply as it's getting handed around. And it actually, they come back with a whole bunch of leftovers. And so this is an amazing story, but this is not what we're gonna talk about today. 
So they leave, you know, everybody leaves, go home, it's getting dark. Uh, Jesus is like, hey, disciples, I want you to get on this boat and go across the Sea of Galilee, and I'm gonna go pray in the wilderness for, for a while. So they do just that. They get on this boat on the Sea of Galilee. And so when I say sea, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's really more like a lake. Uh, it's about the same size uh, of surface area as Lake Amistad in, in Del Rio. So it's not like this ridiculous body of water. It, it, you know, it's a small size. And so they, they go off, Jesus goes into the wilderness, and then in the middle of the night, while they are on the boat, the disciples, they look out and they see Jesus, they see Jesus walking on water. You know, just like we talked about, he can defy physics whenever he feels like it. So he's walking on the water, and they're like, oh, dang, there's Jesus. And one of them, like, walks on the water with Jesus because Jesus tells them to come with them. And it's this cool, amazing thing. And they end up going to the other side of the, the sea. But, and this is an amazing story, but this is not what we're talking about. So the next day, when they get to that, that other side of the Sea of Galilee, uh, they're just hanging out and people show up to that original spot that they were at where the, where the miracle happened, where they were fed. So all these people show up and they're looking around, they're like, hey, where's Jesus? Where's the disciples? Like, you know, we wanna see what's going on today. And they look across the, the sea and they see all the different boats that are there. And they're like, oh, that's exactly where Jesus is at. So they walk around this Sea of Galilee and end up finding Jesus. So when they get there, they look at Jesus and they're like, oh, cool, hey man, good to see you. And this is what Jesus has to tell them there in John 6. He says, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. So he says that, and they're like, okay, cool, Jesus. Well, like, but can you show us a miraculous sign to like prove that you are who you are? I mean, Moses made bread fall from the sky. Can you do that too? And then we look back in John, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. And Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus met all these people in a way that they understood and that they needed it. He led with love by feeding them. And it was only because of that that Jesus was able to share something with them so much greater. He looked at them and said, this is exactly what you need. This is exactly the way that you need to be loved. Here, check this out. I'm gonna put some food in your belly. And they're like, oh man, that, that food was great. Let's go and hang out with Jesus. Let's go and see what he's got going on. And then they get eternity given to them. They get to understand exactly who Jesus was and what he was all about. It's in that moment, and it all started with like a couple of loaves of bread and some fish, and it ended up with eternity. He introduced every single person to bread that will keep them from going hungry and thirsty again. And that's what I want you guys to understand, that by sharing a little bit of philozenia, that by leading with love with people, you can chat with somebody, and that little thing 
can lead to their entire eternity changing at some point. You don't have to run up on somebody and be like, hey, nice to meet you. Let me tell you about this Jesus thing. Like, that's not how it has to work. You can just love on them. You can give them a bottle of water, and that bottle of water will lead to a living water. You can give them like a high five, and that high five will like literally ring throughout eternity because that was the first piece of love that they had gotten. That was the first philozenia that they'd ever gotten. You can sit down with somebody who's eating alone, who's just sitting by themselves and sit down next to them, and that conversation could lead to them understanding who Jesus is and why he came and why he loves them. That's what I want for all of us today, to understand what leading with love can do, to understand what philozenia can do, and how that can ring throughout all of eternity. And not only that, I want all of us in here to receive that love, to receive Jesus, because he knows exactly what you need. He looks inside of you and he says, I got you, I got this. He knows where you are right now. And he's so ready to give it to you. So let's bow our heads together right now. And because we are a tribe here at City Church downtown, we're doing it together because nobody prays alone here. There's always somebody to pray with you. Now what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna have a couple of prayers. The first one is gonna be about, for those of us, like before we start jumping into Jesus, or to Jesus changing our lives and messing with everything, you gotta start believing with believing in him. You gotta start with talking to him. So if you're someone who hasn't started that relationship with Jesus, I want you to do that right now. I want you to invite Jesus into your life, and I want you to do that by praying something like this with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm coming to you right now. And I know I've messed up so much. I'm sorry for that. But I'm here now, and I want you to know that I believe in you. I believe that you gave up your life for me, that you gave up your life to make up for every single mistake I've made in the past and every single mistake I'll make in the future. So Jesus, I don't wanna be hungry anymore. I don't wanna be thirsty anymore. I want you to be the bread that sustains me. I want to follow you the best way I know how. Thank you. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for chasing after me and never giving up on me. I love you. Amen. Now, if you've been a believer, whether it's been for 50 years, or five seconds, and you want things to change in your life, what we're gonna do right now is it's something a little bit different. Um, so we're, we're gonna, let's go ahead and close our eyes again. And so I want you to think about the thing that you're up against. I want you to think about that thing that seems insurmountable. I want you to think about that thing that you are drowning in, the thing that keeps you up every single night. I want you to think about that, and I want you to be standing in the middle of that situation. Think about you standing in the middle of it, where you can see it, hear it, feel it, 
Smell it, touch it. Think about that situation. So now that you're there, I want you to invite Jesus in. Ask him to be physically present with you right there next to you. Ask him to show up. So now that you can see him standing there, you can see him right in front of you, I want you to look at him and just ask him, Jesus, can you please take over? Can I please see your love take over this situation? Please show me your love and your grace in this situation. Show me the way that you want me to move. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna walk right behind you. I'm gonna do exactly what you want me to do. Just show me, Lord, please. Thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for loving me in the exact way that I need you to love me right now. I love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. So right now, we're, we understand this love and the way that he loves us. And we see that he gave up his life for us, that he laid down his life for us. That's the way he led with love. He went up on that cross, he allowed his body to be broken, and he died for us, for us disreputable sinners, for us being the worst of the worst. People would call us scum, right? But Jesus was like, no, you're worth it. I affirm you, your life and your eternity is worth my suffering. And so what we're gonna do right now is remember that and think on that and meditate on it, pray about it, because we're gonna do communion right now. And this is just a representation of the way that God loved us, the way Jesus loved us and laid his life down. So what I want us to do right now is to go ahead and stand up. And if you're down here in the front, if you're over here on this side, we've got a station here for you that you can go and grab some communion. And then when you're done, go ahead and head back to your seat. Same thing for you guys on this side over here. We've got a station for you right here. For those of you in the balcony and underneath the balcony, we have two stations set up for you back there. Go ahead and, and make your way down and grab one and go back to your seat and, and pray a little bit. And as we're doing that, the band's going to play to remind us and help us think on and worship a God that has loved us so much throughout our lives and will continue to love us throughout eternity. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for leading with love. We thank you for showing us that philoxenia when we were strangers to you. We didn't know you, but you still reached your hand out and said, come on. Come on, I got you. And Lord, we just thank you so much for that. We don't deserve it. And we just love you and we're so overwhelmed by what you're doing here. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you, Lord. And we pray all of these things in your holy and precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.